Puts one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Change the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. The 0-2 pitch. Look at this. Struck him out. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm Nathan Ackerman, joined not today by Ty Daubert. He's in Lakewood. That game got canceled. It's all right. It happens. We're coming at you on a day after the Phillies had quite the disastrous loss to the New York Mets. I'm sure you all know about that by now. But Tim Kelly is here to join me to talk about that game. Obviously, the Phillies blew a 7-1 to lead in the ninth. The Mets came all the way back, scored a lot of those runs with two outs. Went up a run in the ninth, and the Phillies went down one, two, three in the bottom of the frame. They dropped their fourth straight, a game that would have been a really nice one to win against the Mets. And now they'll have a day, maybe two, to process that. They dropped to 11 and 15 on the season, but we're going to unpack that all, what it means for the Phillies, uh, some of the problems that have gone wrong in the start of the season, and all of that fun stuff. But Tim, you were there last night covering the game that I'm sure we'll be talking about for years to come. What were some of your takeaways besides <laughs> the obvious just that was uh, disastrous? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those games that leaves you like 24 hours later. I'm still kind of trying to to process the whole game. Like on one hand, for the Mets perspective, I mean, that's an all-time like win for the Mets, all-time comeback. And there were a lot of Mets fans at Citizens Bank Park last night as there typically are when they play the Mets. And it, my first takeaway is it, it feels like the Mets are just uh, – like the Phillies are not going to be able to compete in the National League East with them. Like maybe there's a wild card spot for them, but that the Mets are that much better and legit. But from the Phillies' perspective, it is – there have been so many bad losses over the last five to ten years, but I'm not sure since uh, – game five of the 2011 NLDS that, that I don't think there has been a worse one than that last night. When you couple how big of a lead they blew that it was at home, it was against a division rival. That to me is probably the worst loss. And Tom McCarthy said at the end of the telecast, it's the worst loss in probably a decade that the Phillies have had. And unfortunately for the Phillies, that is quite an accomplishment uh, given some of the games we can rattle off whether it's the Hector Neres game in Los Angeles or whatever, that have been uh, the, the Orioles game where they're waving the white towel. Like there, there have been a lot of bad losses, but this one stands out in a different way, especially since 2016 and 2017, those weren't good teams. This is supposed to be a good team on paper. There's a lot of talent. And yet you, you kind of feel like it's a continuation of what you've seen the last two seasons, which is just a very frustrating and, Above all else, not a fun team. Like there's teams that are bad record wise that still have some fun stretches. I would say over the last two or three years, the Phillies have not been a fun team. And I think when you added Nick Castellanos, you added Kyle Schwarber, you thought at a bare minimum, they're going to hit a lot of home runs and they're going to be a fun team. And they, the, nothing really feels that different from what they've been the last two seasons or maybe even a little bit longer than that. Yeah, and it just it feels like to to briefly touch on your point about the Mets, it feels like the Mets just have it. And I know that that's a phrase that gets tossed around and nobody really knows what it means, but we all use it 
regardless, it seems like they just have it this year. Like they know how to win. I, I guess there's the whole, we'll see what they do after the all-star break kind of thing, which you never actually know until you're there. But the Phillies are the opposite. They just don't have it. Whatever it is, they're allergic to winning baseball games. And I think some of the stuff that you talked about with the team being fun, the clubhouse culture, the additions that they've made kind of brings us to the elephant in the room, which is what a lot of people are talking about on this day. Uh, Girardi and his 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 future with the team. He's in his what start of his third season with the team. He's 121 and 127 over his three years. They've been nothing but mediocre. The start of this season has been probably below than that. And it's like part of me, I guess I'll just go on a little a little riff here because it seems to me like I, I think this team's problems run further than just Girardi, not instilling the culture, not knowing how to win, although we've seen him do that elsewhere. So I don't really know what's happening there. But there, there's there's definitely something to the fact that this core of players hasn't really won together here. And that's a big part of the problem. It seems like when they get in those late game spots or they get in those tight spots or they get in August, September, uh, they just don't know how to win. They don't know how to get it done. Uh, I don't know why that is like the individual parts of this team, I think are actually pretty good from a talent perspective. Uh, They just can't seem to put it all together and win like that. And it's, it's the kind of thing that I don't know what, how, how good this team can possibly be unless they do change something up. And the thing that I always come back to, it's like, if they were to turn this around right now and play 600 ball the rest of the season, make the playoffs, do you look at that and say, oh, Girardi really turned it around or like Girardi really instilled a good culture in the clubhouse and he really made a change and he seems like he's learned from his mistakes in the past? Or do you just say the team just naturally got better because they're a bunch of talented players? It's like, I, I, I don't know how much further this team can really go unless you shake things up. And maybe that's from a player perspective too. I'm not saying it's all uh, on, on, on him, but it's three years of this now and three years of not knowing how to win games. Yeah. The bullpens have been bad. The defenses have been bad and that's cost them games. At some points, the offense has scored zero, zero or one runs in seven of 26 games this year, which you're not going to win many games if you do that. But at some point you got to change things up and you can throw in all the players that you want who have won, who have that attitude, but it starts at the top. And I don't know what else you can do to possibly expect that things are going to naturally turn around. I think that at some point what you see is what you'll get. Well, I'll say this. I don't think that Dave Dombrowski is someone that just sits back and allows things to like, I don't think this season is just going to plummet without any changes being made. Now, I don't know if that's Joe Girardi. And last night's game, to me, is not on Joe Girardi. That's on you bring in a guy who's a major league reliever with a six-run lead in the ninth inning. He should be able to do that, not only without blowing it, but without you even having to get Corey Knebel off in the bullpen. That's he should. Y- yes, yes, but then he, like, allowed the first three guys to reach base. There was, like, a double a two-run homer he didn't get an out of the first three guys and then you can pull him right there and this is a game that they absolutely have to win at that point they're up four with a guy on the tying run is in the hole uh Knievel hadn't pitched well he pitched the day prior but since then he hadn't pitched since Saturday and you know that a rain out is possibly going to come now and that's what ended up happening so that's something that you got to factor in there too and he leaves him in for two more guys he gets one of them out but then all of a sudden you have the tying run on deck and you're throwing him into a tough spot. I mean, he should still nothing. He could have 
it shouldn't have mattered who he put out there and when he put them out there, they should have won that game. But leaving in, uh, was it Norwood for two batters longer than he absolutely had to when that's a game that you have to win. You know that this game today is probably not going to be played. You have to do everything you can to win that game in that spot right there. And that it just seemed like there was a little bit too much of, oh, I hope we can get by with, you know, staying away from some of the top guys in the pen, which it, it's, you don't have that luxury at this point, especially when you're 11 and 14. Well, I think you like that. That's true on like an individual game basis. Yes. We can point out different things that Joe Girardi should have done differently last night, but that that was not a game that the manager lost is my point. Yeah. That, that is a game that the players lost and, uh, Absolutely. You have to do better. There's no other way to look at that situation. But Dave Dombrowski is someone they, he convinced John Middleton to go over the luxury tax threshold for the first time. Uh, obviously he did not, he inherited Joe Girardi. That doesn't mean there's not a good working relationship or a lot of mutual respect there, but that is something to note. And, uh, you know, I would note he did, I believe fired Phil Garner in 2003 uh, like six games into the season in Detroit. Now the Tigers were literally a team that won 43 games that year. It's either uh, 03 is when they won 43. I forget if they fired the manager in 02 or 03. But the point is like, this is someone who is aggressive in everything he does in trades and uh, moving on from managers. We've seen him make sweeping changes that uh, previously were kind of seen as unlikely to ever happen in terms of, he's made a lot of changes in the Phillies organization to get the organization as a whole to where he thinks they need to be. And I I think when you've been bad for 10 years, someone with an outside perspective needed to come in and needed to do that. You thought it would happen with Andy McPhail didn't really happen. And I tell you the truth, I'm not sure how invested he ever really was. And, but but this is all connected is my point. You can change the manager and there's certainly things that decisions that Joe Girardi's made, especially last year when you saw pitchers batting and double switches in play that I disagreed with. I think he's talked about, we're going to keep the lineup one way and then a day or two later, the lineups changed. So uh, it does feel a little bit erratic at times, but these problems existed uh, before Joe Girardi was here. And I think a lot of them will exist after Joe Girardi was here. And what's missing with this team, you mentioned like they haven't won together. There's not really like a loyalty to the Phillies. Not that they don't want to do well for the Phillies, but outside of Alec Bohm, Aaron Nolan, Reese Hoskins, pretty much none of the major players on this team. I mean, there's a few guys, Dominguez, Suarez, but the overwhelming majority of star players on this team are from outside the organization. They've already gotten their biggest payday that they're ever going to get. And that doesn't mean they're resting on their laurels, but they've played for other teams in the past. There's a real chance. Many of them will play for other teams in the future. They want to make this work in Philly, but what this comes down to is it's fine. Like what the Phillies did in 2010, 2011, where you add in, Halliday and Cliff Lee in 09 and then back in 11 and you added Hunter Pence on top of a core that you developed with Rollins, Ruiz, Howard, Utley, uh, go down the list, Cole Hamels. But when you've tried to build an entire team of mercenaries, essentially, I think it does make it hard for guys to kind of have that culture that you need to have to win. And to a degree, yes, the manager creates that but it's also something that like 
good teams have players that have played together since they were in single A, and the Phillies really don't have that. And I think that's something we've overlooked the past few years. Look, their best strategy right now is to buy to try to buy the best team that they can. But the reality here is that they're going to have to develop from within moving forward. And I think that's why you saw a change in scouting director and Preston Manningly has impressed me so far. Brian Barber's impressed me so far, but those are things you're talking about three or four years from now, really seeing the fruits of the labor. If things turn out the way that the Phillies hope. And right now you're left with a team where you have all these guys that you can go one through nine and on the Phillies lineup and say, oh, that guy's a good player. But when you put the pieces together uh, as a team, it hasn't been a good team so far. And I know Castellanos and Schwarber are new here, but like Real Muto's been here, Harper's been here, Segura's been here, uh, Reese Hoskins has been here. I, I don't know necessarily what you change. Like you could trade Reese Hoskins and move Alec Boehm to first base, but then you lose one of the few guys that you have developed and you lose a guy that's a clubhouse leader in a clubhouse where maybe there have been too many lead by example guys, you lose someone that is willing to come out and speak after a loss and things of that nature. You could trade Gene Segura or let him leave this offseason when you decline his option, but then you lose the fact that this is one of the only good fielders that you have on this team. So we know what a lot of the problems are it's hard to figure out how to find a solution. And if that's rambling, uh, it, maybe it is, but this is a team that I, I can point out what a lot of the issues are, but I don't know how, how to move forward and fix these and contend. I think this is an appropriate time for uh, rambling. So I think you're completely justified in doing that there, but it, it, I agree that it's, it's, a lot of the fact that they, you know, you're kind of just throwing all these pieces together in the same place and hoping that they click and they just haven't, but it's also like year three for most of this core. And yeah, you've, you've added some guys just now, but like the guys you just mentioned, they've been here since 2019. It's like those, those kinds of things should work themselves out over the course of, I mean, it, it probably shouldn't even take two full seasons. Like you look at the Padres now, they've basically done the same thing, throwing in a bunch of guys. And now they're, I don't have the standings pulled up, but they're like playing 600 ball or maybe even above that right right now. Yeah, um, and the, the flip side is the Mets. I mean, they have some, yeah. but they have a lot of guys and Buck Showalter, who ironically was the follow or the runner up to Joe Girardi for the managerial job, seems to have them in a place where they're a, a legitimate World Series contender this season. So, I mean, maybe some of that does fall on the manager, but it, it, it falls on like an organization as a whole. I think Matt Klensak and Andy McPhail inherited a disastrous situation with very few needle moving talents and probably didn't do a great job. I think Klensak potentially uh, didn't get a fair shake in the sense that I don't know if Andy McPhail was as invested as he probably should have been. But uh, they didn't leave something great for Dave Dombrowski. And now Dave Dombrowski is in this weird thing where he's trying to balance the, the core, many of whom were here before he was. He's trying to balance Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper and Aaron Nola and whoever, all these guys ready to win right now, while also trying to completely overturn what hasn't worked culturally 
in the organization. And that's not an exact science uh, in getting that right. And even if you get it right, it takes years. And uh, I don't know exactly where the Phillies go from here, but it, it's ugly. And to be having this discussion, it's not like we didn't know these issues existed, but to be having this discussion on May 6th, it's just, it's not at all where anyone expected this team to be. And yet it's not that surprising. Yeah. And, and there's only so much that uh, Dombrowski can do. Cause if, if you look at the team from a roster perspective, like they're pretty good and they've even like been producing just fine. Like the lineup seventh in baseball and runs fourth in OPS 12th in OVP six in batting average. Yeah. They've scored one or fewer runs in seven out of 26 games. So they haven't been very consistent, but overall we thought that the lineup would be super good. They probably underperformed a bit, but it's been like a, you know, better top 15 lineup in the sport. Uh, Wheeler's looking great. He's thrown 13.2 scoreless in his last two starts. Uh, Nola 213 in his last four starts, Gibson 293 on the season, uh, Eflin 450 and Ranger 463 as your four or five guys. Like from a lineup and a, and a, a starting staff standpoint, that's pretty good. The defense hasn't been as bad as we thought that it might be. And the pen, obviously we saw yesterday that it's, you know, has its, its flare ups from time to time, but overall, I don't know if you can point to many games this year where, where you've been like the bullpen really lost them that game. And it's they're they're eleven and fifteen. It's like some teams are more than the sum of their parts. This team is like a third or less than the sum of its parts, and it just doesn't make any sense. And and as you said, it's they're they're kind of in the spot that they've been the last few years where there are flaws. But the only thing that they really can do is go deeper and deeper and hope to you know, do whatever they can to out hit what, what, like whatever the case might be out hit out spend those, those, those flaws. And, you know, if, if it doesn't work, like, I don't know what else the front office can really do to say, we're going to entirely change the, cause again, the team, there's good players on this team. They should be winning games and they're not. And I don't know, I don't know how you change that up. I don't know you know, how you just expect the culture to change like that. And again, I, I think it's more than just one guy too. I think that it's, it's a team wide thing. And really all they can do is like, you're, you know, you sit here and you think, what else can they do? It's like, I'll add more, you know, find guys who are also good at baseball and hope that somehow they click. And then, you know, it, it, it just feels like they've done that so many times the last few years and it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And when you talk about, like, I've heard people over the last year or two say, they need to make like a drastic in-season trade that would be shocking, but like kind of make some waves. Like I've heard people suggest like trade Reese Hoskins. And I, I don't know necessarily what for, but for something else, uh, just to shake things up and get new people in there or Gene Segura. I've heard people mention that too. And it, it's like, you could do that, but like you're, you would be trying to find the guys that, like Cassianos and Schwarber that you thought would bring that experience yeah. and edge. And they may ultimately do that. But uh, to this point, like just changing who's in there and bringing guys that in Schwarber's case of one uh, in Castellanos's case, like I can tell you just like if, if he walks by you, he has like a presence, like you don't want to get on his bad side. So like uh, you thought adding that, and that's the type of people you would be trying to add through a trade. It's just, uh, I don't know. Like I was talking to another prominent 
I shouldn't say another. I was talking to a prominent baseball writer in another city is what I meant to say. And he tried to, he asked me this morning, like, how do you explain, like, what is, is wrong with the Phillies? And I, I thought, oh, this is going to be a simple question. And the more that I thought about it, I didn't have like an exact answer of what to tell him. I think the, the fact that you have guys that don't really have a, a, a connection to the Phillies because they didn't come up through the system, I think that contributes to it. But there is just like a general lack of an edge that even if the lineup statistically has pr produced well, you feel like there's a lot of games where they've gone five or six innings without really doing much. Uh, like there's guys like Kyle Schwarber that have had really good moments but haven't produced to where you need. Hoskins is in the same boat right now, and they may very well do that. But like, I feel like you get a different perspective watching this team on a night in and night out basis than you would looking at the production of the individual players. Like it doesn't, baseball is not a team sport in the sense that soccer and basketball and football are and hockey, but like it, it kind of just feels like you have nine different batters coming up as opposed to like nine batters that are on the same team. I've been trying to think of a different way to like explain that, that uh, and I haven't thought of one, but that's kind of the perspective I've had early on this season. And to me, that comes back to like, this feels like a lineup you put together in MLB the show in a lot of senses that like most of them are free agents, some are trade. You have one or two like in Hoskins and Bohm that you developed and you drafted and developed, but uh it's kind of just like pieced together and you haven't found a way to kind of blend it all together and make it feel like this is the team that represents Philadelphia. And I don't mean that in like a corny Rocky sense, but like, uh, like a, a team that has some sort of cohesive feeling. Well, which is crazy because you look at the Mets and like, they're pretty much in exactly the same spot. I mean, who did they, uh, who came through their ranks, like Alonzo McNeil. Other than that, there's not really a ton of guys there. Um, and, and it's, they've, you know, injected Marte, Lindor in the last couple of years, um, Canna. I mean, they, just bits and pieces from everywhere and they're clicking in year one. And you, you, you heard them talking last night after the game about how once Lindor hit that homer, they were like, this could actually happen. It was still 7-3 in the top of the ninth. Like, that's still a difficult game to come back from. And then it's like one guy gets a hit, and the next guy's like, okay, I'm going to do my job. And it's like, they're not, they're not thinking too big, like, we're going to go out and win this game, but I'm going to do my job to help my teammates. And it's like, that's not the thing you hear. And I don't want to make too much of, like, what guys are saying in the post-game clubhouse media scrums. Uh, in terms of how the lineup actually gels, but there is some some aspect to that, which 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 is like, yeah, you you have a team like the Mets who was constructed in largely the same way that this team was, and somehow it just works. Uh, and somehow, like, when are the Phillies going to come back from seven to one in the ninth? Do you ever see that stringing together enough hits and just riding that that wave to be able to win that type of game? I I, I don't think it's and and I think that the lineup. Like on, on paper, and I know it sounds crazy to say this because they're 11 and 15 and the Mets are what, 19 and nine, like the lineup on paper is probably better. But that's, that, that, that's just not the kind of thing that can happen because of exactly what you just talked about. 
Well, like, I guess the Phillies specifically have a better concept of what goes on in the dugout, who buys into different things they're trying to teach, all that. But, like, when I look at the players they've brought in externally on an individual basis, Bryce Harper, hit. JT Real Muto, hit. Gene Segura, hit. Uh, Nick Cassianos looks like a hit. Kyle Schroeder's been inconsistent, but, like, he's a good player. Like, it's not like you're bringing in these high-priced guys from other teams and they're just – terrible like they're they're working individually and somehow the team continues to have the same problems and I think that's what's so frustrating like you can point to teams that spend a lot of money on guys that they just overvalued and say they overvalued those guys and maybe we have overvalued certain guys on the Phillies and I I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that pretty much every hitter on this team is extremely streaky like Odell yeah. Herrera is the most obvious, but Hoskins falls into that category. I think to a degree, Bryce Harper falls into that category. And Kyle you don't, yeah, you, you don't maybe have enough guys like, why am I drawing a blank on the Marlins shortstop? Uh, uh, Miguel Rojas? Yeah, like uh, Miguel Rojas that just like consistently is just going to hit the ball and play. Like you, you are relying on one guy at all times being on a streak that uh, where he's going to hit five home runs in a 10 game stretch. So, I mean, there is something to be said for how you've constructed the roster and kind of trying to make some tweaks, but it it doesn't like they've tried tweaks. This doesn't feel like a team that's tweaks away, but also like we keep saying, they look good on paper. Yeah. Yeah. How much of it do you think comes back to lineup continuity? I mean, they've, I feel like people have been clamoring just throughout the same lineup every day for a couple of days, maybe a week and see, and see how it goes. It seems like, especially with the leadoff spot, they've tried everything they've tried. Uh, Real Muto, Kyle Schwarber obviously was in that spot for the first couple of weeks and they moved him down and that actually helped him. He, he sort of picked it up from there, but then Bohm was in there and then Schwarber back the next day. And all around him, too, it's like Hoskins has been moving back to six and number seven and then back up to like number four. I, I, I don't know. Do you think there's anything to they should just try to ride something out? Or do you think there's, a, there's you know, something's got to click so they need to do more mixing and matching? Well, I think you should try to ride things out for four or five days. But uh, like the Giants under Gabe Kapler, ironically, had a million different lineups last year and thing they, they want a franchise record amount of games. So it's not as simple as that because you know, if the Phillies like how they performed against the Rangers in the second game of that series, if Joe Girardi pencils in the exact same lineup the next day, people are going to be pissed. People are going to say, Oh, Joe Girardi doesn't yeah. care, whatever. He's just throwing out the same roster or the same lineup. So you're in like a weird situation. Like you, yes, in theory, you'd like to have that same lineup continuity, continuity every day. But if the lineup is hitting like shit, I mean, like, like I don't know what you're supposed to do now. The, I guess they could run back out whenever the next game is, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, they could run back out the same lineup from yesterday, assuming Castellanos is healthy, but they did, even though the lineup produced, it was a disastrous loss. And in some sense, you feel like you want to change something up just to get a different vibe there. So I, I don't know what it is exactly. It's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, like I said, there's a lot of 
uh, things we can point to with the Phillies and say, this feels off, but we don't know how to really tweak it. And I, I don't know that the Phillies necessarily do because they've spent the last few off seasons trying to do that. And to this point, it hasn't worked. Maybe they'll go on a 10 game winning streak right now, but like even that we saw in a 60 game season, then Bryce Harper say, we need to go on a stretch where we win nine out of 10. They won nine out of 10, still missed the playoffs and still got back to like uh, playing terrible baseball in September and the bullpen collapsing and themes, things that have been themes for four or five years. So I don't know what it is. Uh, it's, it's frustrating because like, I feel like as someone that covers the team, I should have a better answer than that. But I don't know what it is from a short-term perspective, how you fix this. But I, I don't have a particularly good feeling about it. I think there will be stretches where you tear the cover off the ball and look great. But I, I think a lot of these themes, we have too much evidence to say that one day we're going to wake up and the Phillies are not going to have bullpen problems or not going to have uh, struggles in September or whatever the case may be until they prove that consistently it's kind of hard to buy into. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody knows the answer either. And, and it's the kind of thing where in the first couple of weeks of the season, there was the whole, Oh, it's early, but now it's May 6th and there's seven games back of the Mets. And, you know, you can only dig yourself into so big of hole because, you know, I mean, they, they say you can't lose, you can't win a division in the first couple of months of the season, but you can certainly lose one. And if things don't, uh, correct course fast. And that would have been a nice win uh, mm -hmm. last night. Like, you know, you've lost three straight. You just got no hit by this team a week ago. Uh, you had a, you know, you blew a chance to win two out of three. Um, you, you, you bounce back from getting no hit with a nice win. And then you have a chance to win uh, two out of three and you end up losing that one. Then you lose two straight to the Rangers at home, which should never happen. And then you're like, okay, if they can win this one you know, maybe they can start something and win three out of four or two out of three, if it ends up being just, just three, which it will, or it might even be just two, but that didn't happen. And now you're looking at the next few games. You have the Mets for however many more games they play them. Then they play the Mariners on the road, the Dodgers on the road, Padres, Dodgers, both at home, the Braves, the Mets on the road, the Giants, the Angels, the Brewers. I mean, you don't have an easy opponent until June 10th. They play the Diamondbacks. Um, and the Diamondbacks are even looking better than they had been. So, and then they play the Marlins who. Yeah. You know, it's not like the Phillies went to Arizona so. last year when the season was on the line and turned things off yeah. and swept them like they probably should have. Uh, they, they cratered at that point. So yeah, I mean, you, you have the Mets who you've seen a, kind of a ridiculous amount of times for this early in the season, but you have two series with the Dodgers coming up. Like, there's no easy team to get back right. And the teams that the Phillies have uh, on their schedules the last few years that seemingly should have allowed them to do that, the Orioles, the Marlins, they, they have the Diamondbacks, they haven't done that. So yeah. uh, it, it is like a lot of these same people, I think nationally get the perspective of, well, it does seem like the Phillies have been a little uneven or a little unlucky uh, numbers suggest that they should be probably better than what their record does. And some guys have hit into bad luck and things even out over 162 game season. And I get that. But when you watch the team on a day to day basis, you feel like this has been a continuation since 20, 
18, basically, of the same season. Now, you've rotated managers, you've brought in different star players, but in the end, like, a lot of the themes are the same. You'll get to September 1st, and people, whoever the managers, will say, oh, all that's gone wrong, we're still in the race, and that's all you can ask for in September, and then they'll lose five out of seven, and somehow they'll still be in the race, which will only be heightened by the fact that there's an extra wild card spot right now. But deep down, you kind of have the feeling that one way or another, they're going to end up not in the playoffs. So until that changes, you're in trouble. And the fact is the division is getting better. Like not only are you losing to the Mets, but I think there is something to be said for that type of win early in the season from the Mets perspective can be a moment you look back at when they make a deep playoff run and say, that's the moment where we all kind of knew this was going to be something special where uh, the Phillies, obviously it's one of the worst losses in the history of citizens bank park might literally be the worst regular season loss in the history of the 19 year stadium. But from the Mets, it's like, that that's a historic thing that people are going to talk about in 20 years. They're going to remember that game. And here you are as the Phillies and the Marlins look better than people expected. You know, the Braves at some point are going to get hot and you're just kind of in uh, just kind of stuck in one step forward, two steps back. And they, they had that exact same type of win back in April against the Mets. They were down 4-0 in the not in the, in the eighth, they scored five runs and they come back to win that game. That's the game where you're thinking, oh, maybe this is one that you look back on. And then they go out and they lose four straight, seven out of eight. And I think that tells you all you need to know about the differences between those two teams right there. But looking at the the schedule and the way things have gone, not just this year, but for the past three years, I'm kind of wondering if things were to continue the way that they've been going so far. And honestly, to me right now, I have no reason when you couple just what this team is with the teams that they're playing uh, I have no reason to believe that it won't. It's like, at, at what point does that shakeup come? Whether it's firing somebody, whether it's trading a bunch of guys that you once saw as part of your core, um, just doing that whole make a change to make a change kind of thing. I mean, if if they survive May and they go 500, I think you see that as a pretty big success. Uh, if they go 10 games under, which again can happen, it's like, how much how much longer do you sit around and wait for things to just work themselves out? Well, and if you go 10 games under, like, you might be sunk regardless. Um, But it might need to get to that type of point. I mean, whatever you think of the job Joe Girardi's done in Philadelphia, he's obviously an accomplished manager, well-respected around the sport. And you know deep down in the back of your head, hey, a lot of these issues, like, he hasn't fixed, but they existed before he got here. And then it becomes a question of who you put in place. Like, Rob Thompson is his right-hand man. Does he become the interim manager? And if that would be the case, like how much of an, how different would that really be? Dusty Wathen has been in this organization for a long time. Maybe you try him. I, I don't know. Um, but I think like the worst thing that could have happened is a few years ago when the Nationals started off whatever, 19 and 30 and rebounded. Because now, and won the World Series, because that's like literally 1% of the, the cases yeah. That doesn't that get in that perspective, but I think it gives fans a sense that, uh, well, any team can do that. Look at what the Nationals did a few years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, look at what they did a few years ago and tell me if you think that's what's going to happen here. Yeah, and I mean, I'm 
I would, th- this was probably more true like a couple weeks ago because it was still earlier, but like I would say, I, I'm not as concerned about the fact that I think the Phillies are actually this bad because like, I don't think they're actually a sub 500 team. I think they're probably closer to 500, maybe like a couple games over. Uh, my, it turns out my, my preseason prediction of, I think I said 87 wins was probably a little in the, in the high range, but I, I don't think they're an 11 and 15 caliber team. So I'm not as concerned about that as I am by the fact that there's seven games back. And it's like, are they seven games better than the Mets? Okay, are they better than the Mets at all? No. Are they seven games better than the Mets? Surely not. And that's not going to work work itself out over the course of a season where now they have 26 fewer games to play with. So, yeah, it's like seven games back on, on May 6th. I, I don't know how you can look at that and say that they have a chance to turn things around. Even if they were to get super hot, they play 600 ball, they probably don't even get to 90 wins. Well, and if they, if they bottom out, that's one thing you can say – this team's just not as good as we thought it was and drastic changes need to be made. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is they're going to win between 79 and 82 games. And you're going to be left sitting there saying the Phillies won 80, whatever, 80, 81 games in like 2018 before any of, before Harper, Real Muto, Segura, Castellano, Schwarber, you've added all this talent and somehow the results at the end of the season continues to be the same. How do you fix that? I, I don't know. And uh, that that's what's frustrating is like, it's one thing to just be terrible. It's another thing to be stuck perpetually at 81 and 81. And that may even be good enough to get into the playoffs, but uh, what does that really mean anymore? Like getting to the playoffs when it was four teams or even the, the previous system really meant something. Now, if you're that last wild card spot, you could still have a pretty disappointing season and sneak in and then get swept in the first round. Who cares? It's more like the NBA at this point where you could still see coaches fired and drastic organizational changes made because this was never supposed to be about, well, the Phillies just have to get to the playoffs. When you signed Bryce Harper, it was like, this is going to be a team that maybe they're not ready to compete for a world series right now, but like, what is the path at this point to competing with the Dodgers and the Mets and the Braves and the Brewers to be, let alone the teams in the American League that would potentially play in the World Series, to actually getting to that point? You're kind of just hoping at this point they win 87 games, get that final wild card spot and strike while the iron's hot and catch lightning in a bottle and everything goes from there. And that's not really like a sustainable way to win things, but it feels like the best case scenario right now. Yeah. The only real fix is to throw more money at their problems, which they've tried that for the last three years. And like literally nothing has changed. Like quite literally nothing has changed. I find it funny how, how this podcast would have sounded if they had won yesterday because they played like, I don't want to get too whole. They played a good eight innings, but like they did, like they looked like a really good team. Like Nola was dominant. And he's looked good his last four starts. The offense, they hit, what, three homers, two or three homers, uh, scored four runs in the first. They got to a pretty good pitcher in Taiwan Walker. And then it's just like, you know, th- like that's 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 kind of the story with this team is they look good. Yeah, that's, been, that's not only the story with this team. That's the story with the last five years of the Phillies is yeah. if they just go 66 and 96, then you, you realize it's a train wreck. But yeah. they give you the – they pull you in enough with this looks like a good team on paper individually they put up good stats and once out of every 
six or seven games, they put together a game where you're like, if they played like that consistently, they'd be a team that could make a deep playoff run. And you said you start to think they have a really good lineup. If one or two things go the right way in the bullpen, they have Nola and Wheeler, which is a really good one-two punch when they're on, and you buy back into it. And I don't know that that's the wrong strategy, but it's not working. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of problems for a team with not very many obvious answers. That's all I've got. Do you have anything else we should we should touch on, Tim, before uh, wrapping up this post-disastrous 7-1 blown lead pod? Um, Olivia Rodrigo is banned from Citizens Bank Park. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that kind of made it sting a little bit more. She's, she's a Phillies fan too, right? Is she? I, I heard – I thought she was rooting for the Phillies. Maybe not. Not anymore. I, I mean, I thought she was just, like, in town just because oh, Destiny said she was doing – like, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's from California, so. Oh, yeah, okay. Maybe yeah. I just maybe I just made that one up. But I, I can tell you she's certainly not a Phillies fan now. Oh, yeah, she's a Mets fan now. She's yeah. going to get Starling Marte or Brandon Nimmo jersey after last night. Oh, boy. All right. We should probably wrap it up there. That's going to do it for this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this day. What I'm sure all you want to talk about is this uh, incredible question mark baseball team. They're not playing tonight. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's certainly a thing. Maybe they won't play tomorrow either. Maybe it's just good to have as few games against the Mets as possible right now before seven games back turns into eight or nine or ten. So the Phillies will be back in action at some point, and we will be back with another episode to talk all about it. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and enjoy your weekend.